Pastor Alex and I are going to spend some time uh, today with you guys. Uh, you know that when we, the last couple of times both he and I have been up here, we've been kind of trying to understand how do we relate to the Old Testament as New Testament people. Right. Uh, how many of you know that when God's speaking, we're listening? Yeah. I don't, how many of you know that anytime God says something, that's good forever? Yes. God does not change. There's no shadow of turning in him. Mm-hmm. When he talks, he's always been love. He's always been good. And so we have to figure out then if God said something, and maybe our doctrine is, is that we, you know, the Old Testament has passed away. We gave that part of the book to the Jewish people. We take the other part. We kind of had a good divorce settlement and in, in, Luke chap- in Acts chapter 15. And so, you know, we still love them and all that, but we don't read their stuff or really care too much about it. Or perhaps you're in the camp that says, I don't really care much about the Old Testament in that sense. It's not really part of my world now. So mm-hmm. I'll go back there and get the stuff that I like, like the blessing of Abraham part <laughs> or like the how awesome life will be uh, from, from Proverbs and stuff like that. And we'll grab that part. But then as soon as somebody comes and says, well, there's, a, there's these other parts too, you go, well, you know, I'm in the New Testament now. So I, and we kind of cherry pick the, the stuff that we like, because I mm-hmm. happen to know there's some good stuff back there as well as there's some instructions and <laughs> stuff that is maybe going to challenge us a little bit that's sure. back there too. And so really what we want to try and do, what we've been endeavoring to do, especially as we are in this season right now, where this is kind of like the high days in, on the Jewish calendar, yeah. as we've spoken about today, actually at six o'clock. Uh, this evening um, begins Rosh Hashanah, which is the, yeah. the new year celebration that begins and starts tonight at six and ends tomorrow night at six. And then they have, as I think we've spoken of, the 10 days of awe, which are between uh, t- tonight and next Wednesday, um, which are sort of the preparatory years. And then next Wednesday, not this one coming, but the following one is Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. which then we have a couple days of break after that. Uh, to just kind of get rested up, and then we begin what is referred to as Sukkot or tabernacles, booths, whatever kind of terminology you're familiar yep. with. Yep. That is then the, 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 the preparatory season where you leave your home, live in your backyard, build right. a little booth with walls but no roof. <laughs> uh, symbolism there is, is that we're shutting down the, the, verti- the lateral relationships in life this way, and we're opening up, making yep. sure that we're in good you know, we roto-rooter anything that is That's between right. us and God, really yep. preparing us then Absolutely. for the coming season, which is the neck between now, this, this year and the end of the year, September of next year. Does that yeah. make some sense? So yes. really what we're trying to captivate then is there's obviously there's power here or else right. God would not have talked about it. There's Absolutely. goodness here or else yeah. God would not want to have talked about it mm-hmm. or two, made of the Jewish calendar, that, the, the sort of the constitution for the, the nation of Israel he made this season full of festivals and full of feasts yeah. because there's a process. I think you were, if you were here on Wednesday night, you heard Pastor Tina talk about the season of Teshuvah, which is kind of like yes. making sure all your accounts are cleared when you're coming into this season. So from 40 days ago until today, yeah. that's kind of like this soul searching, you know, have I done anybody wrong? Do I need to forgive anybody? You know, is there any debts that I have to pay, whatever that I've got, that I want to get them cleared out as best as I can Mm -hmm. so that when I enter the new year or enter these high holy days, this next little season, I'm doing it with no issues of the heart. I'm not carrying unforgiveness. I don't have anything like that that's going to impede God's ability to 
to uh, do everything in this coming year that he's been trying to do in yes, our lives. That's right. And his instruction to the Jewish nation was very specifically going through these feasts. But then the feasts for us in the New Testament now, we can look at what's the feast about? Right. You know, we're not necessarily following it because, you know, it's our national constitution anymore. We're going we're gonna to try and find out what are the nuggets, right. right? What is the truth that is inside of these instructions so that I can be able to, you know, look at my own heart and say, okay, God, whereabouts am I on the principle that you were bringing forth in the feast or the better for us to maybe say the parable mm -hmm. that was being told through the lives of the Jewish nation as they were simply following God in the actions that he was requiring of them. Yes. And the New Testament's different. We're not required to do these things by God. Right. God's not going to love me less, more, right? He's not going to pronounce a curse on us if we step out of line. He's not going to do all that stuff. But what he's requiring of us is that we would step into a place of understanding right. so that now through the understanding, which can eventually become a real belief system, right. then we respond now out of that belief system, right? right? Like I sat on this chair. I didn't test it before I sat on it. I believed it would hold me up. And so right. I just jumped on it. That's what God wants. He wants that we would live out of a belief system. Yes. And then our, our actions then yes. are not contrived. They're, mm -hmm. not, they're not phony. They're not uh, disingenuous. They're authentic. They're actually what I believe being expressed through, through my life. Right. And so um, the, 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 there's the, a feast that goes on uh, simultaneous to the um, Rosh Hashanah through to Yom Kippur through to Tabernacles. There is a feast that is going on at exactly this time of year. You're probably wondering, you know, doesn't it make more sense to have New Year in January? <laughs> It's very interesting that God put New Year right before the harvest, hey. right? Israel, as you may know, is in the Northern Hemisphere, so their harvest season is the same as ours. That's right. And so coming now to the end of August into September is the time of year that everybody is very busy with the harvesting of their crops. Amen. And so interesting that God would put then um, one of the feasts, which is referred to as the Feast of First Fruits, he would put that into the equation. Right. And so maybe we could do it this way. Uh, you know, because how many of you say that the Old Testament's a big book and a lot of it's confusing? How many of you would say <laughs> that? What'll probably be easy for you is just, if you just conjure up in your mind what do you know about the Jewish people? Mm -hmm. um, and you'll probably will find that the, uh, that the thing that you would relate to that is one of the three pillars of their faith. The first one is the fact that, you know, Jewish people are famous, if you will. If you watch any movies that joke about Jewish people, they refer to the fact that Jewish people circumcise their males. And so the concept of circumcision is one of those pillars. And I think everybody in the room would say, yep, I was familiar with the fact that the Jewish people do this particular practice. And we know then as we update that into the New Testament, we update it into uh, where Paul refers to it. We, it's not required of us anymore to circumcise the, our males of the flesh but that, we're, that the New Testament is all about a circumcision of the heart, yes, where right. we live a transformational lifestyle once the Word of God comes to us and we realize that our heart believes something other than the Word of God. Mm -hmm. what, what, is, what, is, uh, 
what is the journey for us at that point is to circumcise that piece of our heart and transform it so that it no longer believes in the fleshly thing. Mm -hmm. Now it believes in the godly thing. And so That's we right. can update then, okay, I get that. So I'm not stuck in the bondage of circumcision, if you will, or not even the bondage of it. Um, it's more that we don't really have a deep understanding That's of right. what it really means because we just have this, you know, the, in a Jewish family on the eighth day, they would do this ceremony and then that would be kind of it. Now we're done. Yeah. In the New Testament, we say, you know what, I, that's metaphoric of a, a lifestyle. Yes. Right? The second one then yeah, would be the, talking about the Sabbath. Um, the Sabbath yes. Right? How many of you know that the, the Jewish word Sabbath is something we really assign to them? We don't yes. even call our Sundays as Sabbath, really. It yes. is that for us. But. And really what the Sabbath is all about is it's a time that as we, if you look back in the Old Testament, it's a time where God set aside for rest. I think that's what's one of the biggest things, if, you, if I think about it, in our Western kind of North American culture, uh, I think that sometimes we can associate rest as a negative, you know, that we could laziness, feel like, yeah. or laziness, yeah. or we should be more productive, you know, it's like, you mean you're taking a whole day off right now? Isn't there something better that you could be doing? But God specifically set up life to be this way, that we would experience, and there would be a time of hardworking, because we know that God constantly talks to us about hardworking, about being a hardworking person. Yeah, consider the end. But yeah. also that God has a very specific system where he sets it up for us to experience the rest. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I love about God um, is that God is, and I think that this is sometimes where people think about things in the Old Testament, is I think people think that in the Old Testament, God was constantly trying to get things away from people. You know, isn't that, that the way we, concept, could, we yeah. could feel about the law is that God was trying to like take things from these people and squish them into this little mold in order to make them. But one of the things that we realize is uh, from a New Testament perspective of looking at the Old Testament, God is literally obsessed. Yes. He's obsessed with getting good things to his children. Yeah. And the law, when we talk about it, even from the standpoint of the law, what God was doing and what from a kind of this New Testament perspective, what we think about the law is, is we feel like it's bondage. But really what God was doing the whole time with the Old Testament was, is he set things up to be a specific way, Yeah. right? And it's like if you get in an airplane and you want to fly somewhere, but you don't want to overcome the force of gravity, <laughs> right? It, it, I mean, it doesn't matter how hard you try unless you apply the appropriate force to this system, you're never going to go anywhere. And when we talk about these things about the Old Testament and why we as New Testament people adopt them is that God specifically sets things up in a way that we could align ourselves to the blessing. Yeah. That I can align. It's why we talk about, you know, seed time and harvest is, is, is not that God needs you to give. God, I don't know if you didn't know this, God doesn't have a mortgage payment in heaven. You know, he's not desperate to pay off his car loan. God doesn't need your money, right. but God understands that there is a system that's in place in this world that if I want to overcome my natural abilities, okay, because you don't have to connect to God if you want to be natural. But if you're looking to be supernatural, yeah, right. if I'm looking for God to do things in my life that aren't possible by my own two hands, I need to connect to it. And this is what the Sabbath is all about. The Sabbath is where if we look in the Old Testament with the Israelites, we see that there was something very special that happened on the Sabbath. And mm -hmm. that was six days of the week, God would send enough manna 
in order for them to eat, but just for the day. Y'all familiar with yes. this? Yeah, yeah. And if they tried to take more manna than what they needed to eat, by the end of the day, everything rotted, yeah. except for when they collected for the Sabbath. This is so good about God. Oh, this is good. <laughs> Not only does God require us or, or invite us into a season of rest. Oh, this is so good. Oh, this is so good. But God, he provides. Oh, man. I feel like I can't. It's like my heart is pounding real hard right now because it's just like so good. God will provide for us in our rest. God will provide for our rest that I can rest. Oh, I can, I could take a day off and I can increase on my day off. I can experience the double because really that's what the Sabbath is all about. When they would observe the Sabbath, they, they, they became a recipient for a double portion. They could now collect more than enough for not just for today, but I could be able to collect for my day that I get to take off. So I get to sit in bed all day long and eat the food that God provided for me yesterday. I don't even got to get up and do it. I can rest and I still get to eat. This is what observing the Sabbath is all about. It's putting myself in a place where God can now provide for me so that not only can I work, but I can also rest. Amen? That's so amazing. So good. Oh, and then the so third good. pillar is the, the concept of sacrifices. And yes. so you know that if you've read through the Old Testament at all, there's all kinds of these rule, these events mm. that would go on when it would come to the sacrifices that they would bring to the temple and, you know, the bulls or the lambs or the grain or the wine or the flour. Or the, yes. all, and it would be all combinations and different things, kind of very confusing uh, if you try to sort of swallow it all in one gulp, you probably found that this is too hard for me to, to understand. Mm -hmm. um, and, but uh, what the, the important part of it is that when we come to the New Testament, is that we understand that we can look back at these things that they were required to do yes. as their national policies, yes. and we can then adopt them into our lives so that they become life-giving to us. Yeah. Right? It's not that we have to have the, you know, the, 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 the black and white letter of the law that now we, ha we do things grudgingly or we do things because we have to do them. Mm -hmm. Now we've got a whole different paradigm where we can begin to look at these things called uh, the, uh, the sacrifices, if you will, yes. or the offerings that yeah. they would give to the Lord in the Old Testament. Yeah, which is like tithing, which is really the first area where we see God is... Because, you know, God is constantly, and I think that the older that I become, or maybe the, the fact that my family is starting, you start to think about money more. You know, when I was single, I really didn't have to think about money. But now that I'm thinking about it, you're constantly aware of the fact of how desperate God is to partner with us. Yeah, that's right. And that's really what the concept of tithing is all about, is, is the reason why we tithe is, again, like I said, it's not that God needs our money right? It's not that it's some religious duty that I do to make sure that bad things don't happen to me, but it's my way of connecting to God saying that, God, I believe that you are my source, right? right? Because one of the things that it says is in Matthew 6, is, and this is, remember, this is like with Jesus. This is the New, the New Testament. He's saying that we can't serve two masters. And you know what I think is so funny is, is he doesn't say God and the devil, yeah, you know, because I would thing. think that it's like in our world, we think like you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and then you can't serve the devil. But that's not what he says. And he says you can't serve God or mammon. 
which is really money or and or, 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 or really yeah. seeking after this world's way of doing things. And, and not that we know, that money is evil, right? Because we know that the Bible doesn't say that money is evil. Let this free you all if you think money is evil. The Bible says that the love of money is evil. What, it's the fact that we would go and try to serve money. And one of the things that tithing does, at least I know this in my own life, is tithing allows me to remain master over my money. You know, because sometimes, you know, especially when, you know, when, when you got, when you're like balling, right? And you got more than enough and you got money falling out of your pockets, right? It's easy to be generous in those moments. But when you experience a little bit of shortage, isn't it easy? You know, money, although it's just paper or sometimes it's just a piece of plastic, really, it could talk to us. <laughs> a, a digital, right? Electron. Doesn't it sometimes talk to us? Our shortage can try to talk to us. It can try to make us feel like we don't have enough. But what tithing does is it's a conscious decision that I make in myself to tell my money, to tell this world system, to tell my fear or my shortage that I am the master of my money. That I am choosing not to serve you. I'm active, you know, and, and sometimes you got to feel it, yeah, you know. Sometimes fight. I got to feel the, ah, oh, I got to, you know, you got to take the money out and someone's got to like pull it out of your hand. But it's like, even in those moments, what's happening to me is I'm allowing myself to die to myself because money wants to be your master. Shortage wants to be our, this world system wants to be. But when I tithe, it's this conscious decision where I'm saying, I, I am choosing that I'm going to master my money. And the second thing really quickly that is just I was reading about the tithing is, is tithing, the Bible says, if we look in Malachi, it says this, that when, when we tithe and we bring a tenth of our increase, that it will open up heaven. Yeah. It will open up our ability to be blessed. Okay? Because this is important. Because sometimes, oh, deep breath, peace, just, peace, peace, peace. I'm just so excited about this because we're in the season of increase. Yes, we are. You know, you know yes, when you're in are. a new season, it's like when you're waiting for, to get your new car to come in your driveway. You're really excited about talking about your new car because it's coming. This is an amazing season of increase. But when we tithe, what happens is sometimes we want to think that whatever we do, God just has to bless it. And I think that sometimes this can be this very New Testament way of thinking about things. But when I read John chapter 15, I realize that it's God in me and me in God. It's his system combined with my system and his thoughts over top of my thoughts. And as I enter into that place, that's the thing that causes the blessing to begin to flow yeah, into yeah. my life. And so when I tithe, Malachi tells me two things. It tells me, number one, that it will open up the heavens for the rain to fall, which is essentially that God will, it's like we open up his ability to be able to get his hands on the things that we're doing, okay? But I, I, which is, I think is amazing. I want God to increase me. But the other thing that I love about tithing is it says, if you go to, I think it's verse 11, it says this, that, and the devourer will be rebuked. You know, sometimes we say this, we don't necessarily connect to it. But what I was thinking was, is there's some things I want increase, right? Like I want a new car. I want bigger houses. I want more influence. But there's some things that I don't want God to increase. Like my wife, for example, I don't want a new wife, right? You see what I'm saying? I don't want a new wife. I'm not looking for an upgrade. But what I am looking for God to do through my tithing is that the devourer, 
where the enemy could potentially have an ability to get into my marriage, to get into my car, to get into my house, to get into my family, to start to mess things up. Tithing puts this wall of protection around me where now the enemy, where maybe he could have got in. Now, not only do I increase, but I don't decrease. Not only can I get something that's new, but God protects that which is old. And so when I connect to God's system, I realize God is not trying to get something from me. He's so desperate to bring me to a place where his blessing is so overwhelming in my life. And so as I connect to that, I connect to his system. That's the thing that begins to happen in my life. And it's so Amen. important. Uh, you can imagine yes. now, as we're we stepping this. into this place of coming into the new year, Mm -hmm. right? What the objective is going to be is in any way that we can, can we align ourselves better yes. with the heart that God has inside of these things Absolutely. like tithing? Absolutely. Can I really get it so that it is a, a joyful thing that I do? I cannot wait yes. to come and do this yes. because there is a season where you don't do it. Yeah. And then there's maybe a season where you do it because <laughs> you just know it's the right thing, right. even though, you know, you really wish you could keep it. <laughs> but then there's there, there, God's intention in that season is to bring us through to a new season. That's right. A season where this is the joyful yes. expression that we have really understanding that God is partnering. Yes. God, eternal Amen. God, almighty God, El Shaddai yes. God is my partner. He is my partner. Right. Amen. He's yes. the guy that's making life. If I have a problem, I go sit down with my partner and see what to do about it. Right. If I have an opportunity in my face, I want to talk to my partner to see how can we take advantage of that opportunity. Right. I have this relationship that, is, that has been developed over this time now. Now, because I know that it's God that has brought these things to pass in my life, uh, the, it's, it's a joy yes. to be able to come in and release his, his dividend, if you will, his 10% yeah. portion into... Because yeah, we're convinced. You're, you know? Because I'm you become convinced. convinced. I'm fully, it's I like would never say, go back. Fully persuaded. Yes. I'm fully persuaded that when I do this, it's connecting me to the blessing. It's connecting me to what God is doing. Yeah, those, are, those are good words. It's man. amazing. It's, actually, you said them. So. The, uh, the, the other part then, which you maybe will not be so familiar with, because there was kind of a weird thing that happened in the New Testament, is that we kind of bunched everything together mm -hmm. uh, because the Old Testament stuff about offerings and all that kind of thing or, or sacrifices, it got, got so confusing. And so you may have heard something like tithes and first fruits are the same thing. So you mm -hmm. would maybe say on a Sunday morning, they would say, okay, bring your bring first, first fruits, fruits in. The next Sunday they would say, bring your tithes in. And they'd be talking about the same thing. But in the Old Testament, and, and even from the wording, you, we can see clearly that they're not the same thing. Because the first fruit, by its name, is first. It's the number one piece. And then the tithe is every tenth piece. That's what the word tithe actually means, is tenth. And so then what you do is, is that God gets the first piece, and then God gets every tenth piece as you go along after that. Right. And so, but what's important, again, for our journey now, is we're really trying to understand uh, how do we relate to the principles of the Old Testament? And if we zero in on this thing called the first fruits, what is supposed to be, what am I supposed to understand about this particular season? And how can I allow that to become a rich, excuse me, a rich expression 
of my giving. Does that make some sense? Otherwise, if it all just falls in together, all I get out of it, not that that's a bad thing, but uh, God is my partner, and that's probably good. I could probably live on that. But if there's a more, how many of you say, if there's more, I want more. Yes. If there's more to understand about what God is doing, or, or better still, if there's a little bit, a, a more high octane alignment that I could have in my own heart to increase even my expectancy for what God is going to be doing, or my, uh, is protection the right word? My protection against the ways of this world that are trying to fill my heart up. If I have this understanding and I have a fortress built around this godly understanding, I know what God is doing here. Then when the world comes and tries to deceive me, it's like, oh, no, no, I already know the truth. That's right. It's very hard That's to right. deceive someone who already knows the truth. That's right. The easy person to deceive is the person that doesn't know the right, right or wrong. I say, oh, That's it right. sounds good to me. Probably a good, you know, whoever told it to you, it sounded good when they said it, so maybe it's true. <laughs> right? When somebody spits in your face, spit back. That sounds right. Does that sound wrong to anybody? Right? Well, hopefully it sounds wrong to everybody in here, but when you first heard it, that wasn't a wrong thing. Right. It right. sounded right. Yeah. And so what we're going to try and do with a couple of minutes that we have left is we're going to try and sh to get some light on this thing called first fruit. The reason that we do that, especially this time of year, is because this is actually now the season of first fruits. That's right. Um, what, I'll give you the quick outline of it. It's basically what God is asking them is that when the harvest time comes, before, don't harvest the whole thing. First, go and get me the first sheath of wheat that you cut, and then go and get me the first barrel of, of flour that you grind, and then go get me the first uh, lamb that is born. Oh, it's a little bit different maybe on lambs because they're not all born the same day, but you kind of what you do is you put them in a little corral and you force them to go through a little chute. The first guy is your first fruit. That's right. And so they're doing that activity right now because this is harvest season. Mm -hmm. And then when they get to the first of the new year, which for us, our, our days don't line up with their days, so that will be next Sunday for us, that we are preparing ourselves for bringing the first fruit. Yep. So then we have a very special relationship to the offering that we would bring next week, if that is what you would like to do. There's no, again, there's no compulsion to do it. We're doing this out of an understanding that is, uh, that is a, now an offering that has a different mind and heart behind it. Mm -hmm. And so what is the mind and heart? If you took a look, now we're going to go into this crazy book, which may still be stuck together in your Bible. <laughs> it's the book of Leviticus. <laughs> and in the book of Leviticus, it talks, in chapter 23, it talks about all of the different feasts that we have kind of been alluding to uh, earlier in the session today. We're talking about, you know, the, the, the Yom Kippur and the Rosh Hashanah and Tabernacles. And it kind of goes through and does a quick little outline on what those things are. And they are explained even more so in other places of the Bible. But specifically in this part of Leviticus, it talks to us about the specifically the first fruit offering. So we're going to jump in there. We're going to spend most of our time reading out of the Bible. Because for many of us, this is going to be the first time that we've heard this concept separated out from the tithe, first fruit, you know, kind of tithe slash first fruit mixed together. Yep. And so it says here in verse 9, Then the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I have given you, that's very important, and reap a harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of first fruits, of the harvest to the priest. He will wave the sheaf, that's important, before the Lord 
to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer on that day when you have waved the sheaf, a male lamb of the first year, that would be what's referred to as a firstling, without blemish, that's important, well, we won't talk about that today, but uh, without blemish as a burnt offering, that's important to the Lord. It's grain offering as well. So there's, a, there's a, the lamb portion and then there's the grain offering portion. The grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma of its, and its drink offering shall be of wine one-fourth of a hin. Uh, so <laughs> I know it's confusing. Stay with me. It actually does make sense when you can kind of take it apart. Um, you shall eat, now this is kind of cool for us, you shall neither eat bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to the Lord. Now remember we're fasting, how many of you know we're in fasting and prayer this week? That wasn't planned as part of this, it just ended up instruction of the Lord to do that, but you can see here that fasting is actually part of the preparation, our spiritual preparation to bringing our first fruit offering. And then, it and then finally the verse there is, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all of your dwellings. And so saying that, it, you know, it's not saying you're going to do this up until the Messiah comes, or you're not, you know, some of you are going to do it and others of you aren't going to do it. It's saying this one is going to go on forever and every single dwelling is to practice this. This is something that there's an institution inside of every home to be able to bring this forward. And so let's take a look at a couple of the terms then. The word burnt offering, mm -hmm. uh, it's maybe a little confusing for you because we refer to a lamb in this example. And so we're all thinking, well, Jesus was the lamb. He was the lamb, but he was the, uh, it was not from the burnt offering. That was a sin offering. Right. And so the burnt offering is different than a sin offering, specifically right. in the sense that a burnt offering mm -hmm. is a tribute offering which means we are paying tribute to somebody because they are awesome right. or they had, they've done something super cool to us and we just wanna honor them by sacrificing a burnt offering to them. Mm -hmm. You'll notice if you are taking notes, if you go back to, uh, to, to the story of Noah in Genesis chapter eight, Noah was the first person to offer a burnt offering mm -hmm. and he offered that offering uh, as soon as he got out of the ark. And so what was he saying? He was saying that God, who I, you know, I've, I'd love to shake your hand. I'd love to give you a hug. Maybe I could give you a tip, whatever. He couldn't do all of those type of things. But what he could do is pay tribute to an awesome God that has rescued him through the flood. That, in, that he made a way for, for Noah to be rescued, to be now the guy that, can, that owns, as it were, the entire world. Right. Um, so that, but let's just read in verse 20 here, so that you can get this right out of the Bible. In, in Genesis 8, 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet aroma. Do you remember that from Leviticus? That when an offering made by fire, for it was a sweet offering, a sweet aroma. It's kind of like the skunk when you walked in this morning, that kind of same thing. <laughs> uh, and the Lord smelled a sweet aroma then. Is that up on, is that up on, is that up on there? The Lord smelled a, then the Lord said. 
So you'll notice that the Lord didn't say when Abraham finally got out of the ark, okay, now here's what I'm going to promise you. What he did was out of the tribute, out right. of Noah's celebration, the very first thing he did wasn't kiss the ground. That's what we would do. Right? That's off the movies. What Noah did was he sacrificed, uh, however many that would have been, yeah. uh, burnt offerings to the Lord. Right. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never curse the ground again for man's sake. Mm -hmm. That means that no matter what man does from here on in, the land will never be cursed ever again. That started back in Noah's time. Uh, I will never curse the ground again for man's sake, although the imagination of the heart of man is still evil from his youth. I will never destroy every, li every living thing as I have just done. And then verse 22, it says, and God now pronouncing or instituting a blessing onto the earth, I, uh, while the earth remains, Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Mm -hmm. So what does God do? God institutes now because of the first fruit offering, the burnt offering that Noah released to the Lord. He declared from now on, there is a mechanism in the earth by which you can receive abundance or multiplication of the seeds that you sow. We see that in the New Testament. God, uh, uh, verified when, uh, when it says, whatsoever a man shall sow, right. that shall he also reap. Right. And that's justified by what we are talking about here in the Old Testament because, which is what's so important, because what Noah did was Noah released the offering, uh, the burnt offering, first fruit offering unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then you see it again in Abraham, this one you'll all be familiar with, uh, and now it came to pass after these things that God, this is now G Genesis 22, and so Isaac was born already. Uh, I hear tell that Isaac here is a teenager or a young man at this point. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, Abraham said, here am I. And then he said, take your son. Now Isaac here was his firstling, his firstborn. Take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. And then it goes on and says that, so Abraham rose early the next morning yeah. and he went out to do that thing that God had asked him to do. And so yeah. we recognize now what a pivotal moment this was in not only in Abraham's life, but really in the history of all humanity, when Abraham was willing to, even though he never actually sacrificed Isaac yeah. at that time, Abraham was willing to do what God said. Yeah. And that's a lot what we might be feeling today when it's like, okay, another offering is coming up, you know. But when, <laughs> when, when I, what God was doing, it's kind of what Pastor Alex was saying about the tithe, when we are bringing that back, we are proving that our, our connection is with the God who made the promise. That's right. Because if God yeah. made the promise that Abraham would be the father of a multitude, he didn't yeah. need Isaac for that. Yes. He needed God for that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And he didn't lose sight of the fact that he needed God. Yeah. He was basically saying, you know what, God, this whole father of the multitude thing, <laughs> I know you're my source. Because yeah. it would be common for us to say, bingo, yeah. I got it. Because now that I have a son, through that son, yeah. I'm going to have everything. Yeah. And he would turn his attention away from God and put it on Isaac. Yeah. And that's what can often happen when we begin to prosper is that we can get our eye off 
what yeah. God did yeah. and onto how do I take advantage of the economy that's yeah. going on all around me. Right. And we lose sight of it. How I many think, of you know that's pretty I easy? I think, too, the other thing that, I, that makes you think about it there in verse 3, just how it says that he rose early in the morning, that there is an air of excitement to this. Yeah, you it's know? crazy. Like, it doesn't talk about, you know, that... Because how many of you know that would be a crazy thing to ask somebody? Like, <laughs> I'm getting ready literally in days to have my first kid. And I can't imagine if, like... I, you know, you show up in the hospital and you're like, oh my God, I love you so much. And then God's like, killer. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's insane. Right? But, but you know what it is, is, is Abraham had such an amazing confidence in God's system. Yeah. He had such an amazing confidence in God's nature. He had tried it and tested it and proven it. And I think that sometimes what can happen to us is that we have in our life, like Jeremy, right? Talking about his testimony. And I know that you guys are like this because I know you. But we could, sometimes we can have that where we try God and God shows up. Like, I mean, put your hand up if God has done nothing for you, right? <laughs> Nobody's hand would go up because we've all experienced it. Yeah. But the thing that separated Abraham was that when God asked him to do something, he was quick. He was cheerful about it because he allowed the victories of his past to now be a foreshadowing to him about if God could do something with the little that I gave him before, imagine uh, yes. what he could do now when I give him the best of what I have. And so his response was a response not of begrudging. He didn't push it to the side. He didn't wait till next week or next year when the economy was better. But what? Because he knew the nature of the one he was giving to. Now it was like he couldn't wake up early enough. He yeah. couldn't get to doing it fast enough because he knew that God, you could never outgive God. You could never give something to God and he doesn't repay you what 30, 60, 100 fold return on that which we give to him. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. We see that again yes, when, you, if you recall the, the scripture out of 2 Corinthians, where it's talking about a prompt to do it mm -hmm. giver. Right, That's somebody right. that wakes up early in order to go do the offering. Isn't yes. it, you, know, you read it right here in the Old Testament. It's like he woke up, it specifically says yeah. early in the morning. Yeah. And back then they woke up early already. So this is <laughs> earlier than early right. that he gets up and gets <laughs> That's going. That's true. <laughs> and so let me just summarize then for that. First fruits is the burnt <laughs> offering portion of a first fruit is a tribute offering. Bringing the first part of the offering back to God, recognizing him as deserving of the highest honor yeah, that's right. and the source Amen. of the blessing. Yes. It's interesting to note that uh, as we look at this time of the year, that the new year doesn't start with seed time part. <laughs> the new year yes. starts with, the, with harvest. the harvest. Amen. Right? We've been, we, kind of, we were singing that through the songs. I kept hearing it being mentioned in the nature of the song. You put breath in me. Now I can use that breath to praise you. Yes. Amen. This is the same thing. Is that God is saying, no, wait a minute. The day of the week, the, the, the year starts with a harvest time. Yes. First thing I'll do is remember with them coming into the land that flows with milk and honey. Yes. He says, now I'm going to make sure this goes slowly for you because this is a pretty bountiful land. And I don't want the grapes to go out of control and the cattle to fill the, the to, you know, to, to knock down the barns. So, because it's just going to go nuts. But as soon as you get there, you're going to, you're going to show up and there's going to be a harvest yes. in the field waiting for you when you get there. Amen. And that's the, now remember that the heart of that 
needs to stay burned into us so that we, no matter how far we go, because a lot of us now, we would say, I really prosper because I have a good education. Mm. I really prosper because I have a good financial pedigree. My dad had us a lot of money. I prosper because I live in North America. I prosper because the government's been good to me. I prosper and go on and on and on and on and on because it looks like that's what it is from your perspective. Because you didn't show up at the beginning. You showed up in the middle. Hey. And what God is trying to do is say, no, don't get confused and put your trust in an economy or a government or an education or a business or a bank account. You got to be careful with all of that. That's what the devil wants you to do. Because like Alex says, as soon as my trust is in my bank account, you know, you get a little bit of a a burp in your bank account and all of a sudden life comes apart. (laughs) Uh, You know, the government changes and they change some rules and now your life has come apart. All of a sudden, you've, you've got this beautiful education, but so does another million other people that bought into the same thing. Now, what are you going to do? There's no jobs for you. Yep, that's right. You see, if all of those things are where we put our trust, God is saying, don't do that. Because then the, the, you know, the worldly system has now got you under their thumb. They know you, they own you now. And God is trying to make sure that we're not put in that place. The way we do that is to always remember and teach our children for eternity, teaching our children and rehearsing as they did in the Israelite nation to this very day. They rehearse. God brought us out of Egypt. God brought us through the wilderness. God brought us to the land that flows with milk and honey. And we rehearse that as part of our our festivals every year so that nobody forgets. The adults don't forget. The teenagers don't forget. The children don't forget. Everybody remembers God is my source. Yes. The second Amen. part of that, that I'm going to rush through it now. Uh, sorry for that we're a little long. <laughs> is that they took a sheaf of wheat. Now these things, see these things may not, we not get the symbolism of this. We take a sheaf of wheat and we wave it. Now that's going to be cool. Maybe we'll do that next week. Give everybody a sheaf of wheat on your way in the door. We can wave it. But you'll remember that, uh, I remember somebody, remember Sandy, uh, this is way back, maybe 30 years ago now, somebody bought us uh, champagne glasses, I think they're champagne glasses, but they're, they're very expensive things, and they are prosperity glasses, that's what the name of it is on, and if you look at the glass, etched into the side of the glass is a, gra- is a sheaf of wow. wheat. Even cool. to this very day, a sheaf of wheat actually means something. Yep. And so what's happening in this, what God is, trying, God is doing is he is having a wave of uh, this imagery that talks about abundance. Right. And what you do, I'll be, you be God for a moment. You look a little bit like him. So <laughs> I, you're Easy. the people. And so I'm going to come from, to Sandy. I'm going to get his sheaf of wheat. I'll be the high priest. And I'm going to wave it towards Sandy. And then I'm going to wave it towards God. And then I'm going to wave it to Sandy. And then I'm going to wave it to God. What's it talking about? Anybody see the symbolism here? I'm going to give an honor to God. And God's going to give an honor back to me. uh, Not just honor, but prosperity. Right? And then you're going to take your prosperity. And you're going to wave it back to God. And then what's God going to do? He's going to wave it back to you. Can you see what's going on here? As you're giving what's called a wave offering. A wave offering was specifically a foreshadowing of what you expect to come, like a prophecy. And so when you're looking for abundance and prosperity to come, that's what the imagery is, is I'm giving it to God. Why? Because it's going to wave back to me. And you see, the symbolism of of that cannot be lost on each one of us. It's, it's amazing how God makes it so simple. As we simply apply the principles of yeah. God, 
simply do it. Like the Jewish people, they did the same thing every single year. It wasn't like they had to figure yeah. out a new thing. They did the same thing every year. Every time, every new year. Just get the basics right. Let's just, okay, I don't know. What's the time? Oh, I don't know. You know go grab, that's uh, the time again. Go get the lamb. You know, honey, go get the lamb. Quick, is that, they weren't trying to, no, same thing every single year. Yeah. And what? They're a people group who are known. Like around yeah. the world, they are known for their extra, extravagant wealth, extravagant vision, and they have this amazing ability to transform culture yeah. because of their, that's what we're called to do as the church, yeah. but these people simply apply the principles and they're able to see the manifestations. So let's just cover one final point. We want to prepare ourselves. What, is, what can we do over the next few days? If, if you're not able to be with us for fasting and prayer, that's, that's you know, certainly okay. But how do we prepare ourselves now yeah. if we're going to receive the first fruit offering next Sunday? How do we prepare ourselves for the right heart that would bring that offering to the Lord? Yeah. And if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 26, I'm just going to cover, I'm going to repeat pretty much the same line over and over and over again to draw our attention to something. But remember, the, the scripture that we are focusing on for this calendar year is Deuteronomy chapter 28. Yep. which is just two pages to the right of where you are now in your scripture. And it starts off by saying, if you will hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord, yes. then God will produce these blessings. And it goes on to list all of those blessings uh, in, uh, that he's wanting to do in our lives. Okay, so let's just draw that, hold that in your mind. And we'll go back to Deut Deuteronomy 26 now. And it's talking about then in verse 1, and it shall be when you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So this is now Deuteronomy, so it's Moses here, talking about the day in Joshua's book of Joshua when they're going to enter into the promised land. And what are they supposed to do when they get there? Uh, when at the land I'm giving, you shall take some of the first fruits of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to that place where the Lord chooses to make his name abide. Yeah. And you shall go to the one who is the priest in those days and say to him, I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the country which the Lord swore to give to me. And then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down in the altar and you shall answer and say before the Lord, it goes on and on a bit about your history. Now your story would be different than their story, but it's basically I used to be in Egypt as a slave and then I came out and they kind of rehearsed that. And then verse nine says, and God has brought us to this place and has given us this land. So you can see already he said one, two, three, four times in a few scriptures that I am in the land that the, the Lord has given me. Yep. A land now flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits, again, of the land which the Lord has given me. And then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship him before the Lord your God. And you shall receive in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you and your house. And so you can see through the iterations of that same line over and over and over again that really what's important about the first fruits is that you have a recognition on the inside of your heart yes. that I am prospering, I am abundant, I am well and whole today because God has brought me into yes. this place. Amen. And I am giving my tribute to him, worshiping him, celebrating his goodness, mag making him magnificent in my own eyes 
because he's the one that has brought me into the land that flows with milk and honey. That's right. And then if you take a look what we will do next week so that you're, you can hold, you study the scripture through the week, uh, it's then in verse 13, then you shall say before the Lord, I have removed the holy tithe. And, and it's kind of a little confusing there because the word tithe is not there. It's, it should say, I have removed the holy thing, which is the first fruit from my house. And it goes on and say, I didn't eat it and I didn't cheat and I didn't, you know, I didn't get emotional and binge <laughs> on it. I didn't do all of those things. Uh, and then it finishes off by saying, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, my God, and have done according to all that he has commanded me. So what you can see there is, is that when Abraham, when God was talking to Abraham in Deuteronomy 28, he was specifically referring to what he asked you to do in Deuteronomy chapter 26. And that was simply to recognize and celebrate that God is my source. Yes. I'm going to remove, even as we fast and pray throughout this week, I'm going to remove any confidence that I have in anything else that has put me into a bondage to that thing here on this earth that has given a a, a passageway for fear to come towards me. Oh, the economy is about to plummet. Oh, my stock market is going to fall. Oh, my education, I can't get a job. Oh, my, you know, my this or my business and the, don't going to get rid of all that this week. You say, you know what? In all of that, God set all those things in motion for you to be blessed the way you are already. You're already prospering. You're already abundant because there's never been a human being, a group of human beings that have prospered the way we prosper. That's never happened before in the history of mankind. If anybody should be one of those that would come in and say, you know what? God has done this. And it is a beautiful thing. And I'm celebrating right now that where he's brought me, he's not done yet. He's got lots more going for me. But on all of that, I'm not going to let anything that's going to limit my potential by putting my trust in anything natural. I'm transferring it all back unto God. And as you are preparing, if it is in your heart to give a first fruit offering, you know, I heard a really beautiful one. One Somebody in the congregation already did this a few weeks ago, and I just heard report of it from one of the pastors, and he was saying what he decided to do for his first fruits was he decided to give 90% of his paycheck to God and keep the 10% for this week. And I thought, you know, because it's very hard for us, like how much is a lamb worth and what is a, you know, what is a couple gallons of flour? What's, how much is the, I guess the wine could be expensive or cheap. You know, how, how do I quantify that into my life? I think it should be sacrificial. I think it should be something you notice. I think that God deserves that if that's your heart, at least if you would be like me to say, you know what, I really want that to burn into my heart. I really want this to become a reality for me. I'm tired of being afraid when I read the newspapers and I hear about the economy and they got, I'm tired of all of that. And so if it is in your place, then when we bring, and we'll pray over you, whether you bring an offering, if you're believing, if that's not part of your belief, then that's cool. You know, we're good with that. But next week, what we are going to do is, is that this next portion, and that is, it's the blessing of God that starts in verse 15, because we have done the right thing with the holy thing. And the blessing is, goes like this. Lord, look down from your holy habitation, from heaven, and bless your people, Israel, or bless your people, McDonald's, or bless your people, Light City, or bless your people, Fort Erie, whatever, you know, we'll pray all of those next week. 
just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. And then it's very interesting in verse 17 there. This is what I'd like you to focus on for this week. It's verse 17 to verse 19. It says this, Today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God. Isn't that interesting with what Pastor Alex said in the beginning that you cannot serve two masters? He's saying here today when they did their first fruits, that was evidence that they were making God their God and that they will walk in his ways, keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, that they will obey his voice, which is what we're gonna see is the producing of the, of the blessing. Also today, it says in verse 18, the Lord has proclaimed you to be his special people, just as he promised you, that you will keep all of his commandments and that he will set you on high above all nations which he has made, in praise, in name, and in honor, that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. Yes. So I want you to meditate upon those, because how many of you know God wants the kingdom of God to flourish in the earth? Yes. God wants your voice. He wants your life. He wants your yeah. testimony Amen. to be a testimony that other people can look at and go, wow, that person is blessed. Yes. That person, who is that? Who, what God does that guy serve? That's what God's intention is for us. I so believe that when we'll grab a hold of this forgotten piece of the feast days of the Israelite nation, with all of the connections that it has to the abundance, the, the, the super abundance that God has always intended to be yes. part of each one of our lives. Because we have lost this revelation in the New Testament, we've also lost the heart, I think, I think it's easy for us to say, you know what, I'm sure glad if I got my 401k, I'm sure glad I have my retirement package, I'm sure glad I have this, that, or the other, instead of saying, you know what, take all that stuff away if you like, I got God. Yes. And God brought me from Egypt and put me in this great place. Now he can do it again. Yes. I'm no longer going to be set in fear. I'm no longer going to be under the thumb of yes. these things. Yes. I'm going to yes. be set free when I come back next week because I know God is with me. He's my source. He's my partner. Yes. And he's going to do amazing things with my life. Put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus. I know. I know. You're trying to transform my thinking. You're trying to transform. You're my trying thinking. to bring back. You're trying to bring back my revelation. My revelation that everything good, everything good comes from you. Comes from that you. you are the source. That you are the source of all of my blessings. Of all of my. Blessings. You are the source of all of my abundance. You are the source of all of my every abundance. good thing. Every good thing has come. Has come from you. From you. And it is my joy, my joy. to celebrate you. To magnify you in my own heart, my own heart and before my brothers and sisters, my brothers and, declare and, sisters openly, and declare openly that you are, you are Almighty God. Almighty God. I'll never be afraid again. I'll never be afraid again because you are my source. Because you, you are, are my source. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen.